Hello and welcome to the NatWest Women in Business podcast. I'm June Sarpong and we're back for another episode exploring entrepreneurship, telling the stories of inspiring female business owners and finding out what it takes to reach the top. Over the course of this series, we've been following businesses ranging from food to fashion, discussing everything from manufacturing to export. Today, though, we're turning to tech as we look at launching an online platform. We've top tips on building an internet brand and harnessing the power of social video marketing. Plus, in the studio, we'll be joined by a specialist guest mentor, as well as expertise from NatWest's own Women in Business team. But first, let's meet our featured woman in business, a brilliant young entrepreneur called Anastasia, who has only recently launched her company to the world. I'm Anastasia Kenyon, Director of Palette Official. I'm launching a social media and booking site for makeup artists and makeup fanatics. And today, it's my first debut of my website to the world. This has been in the making for around a year now. This is my baby. I have put my heart and soul into this company and today I finally get to show people what I'm about and hopefully what my company's about. I'm Sean Maloney, I'm a UK-based celebrity makeup artist and I'm at the Manchester House event for Palette Official's preview launch. This is such a super exciting event. I want makeup bookings for clients and makeup artists to become easy. Teaming up with Anastasia, to be one of her brand ambassadors, is super exciting because her vision is so powerful and it's what the industry needs. As a celebrity makeup artist, I find a lot of my clients struggle to find me. And when they do find me, it's often by social media. To come by Palette, which combines all of our social medias together, it's an incredible, amazing opportunity for makeup fanatics and makeup artists. So if you're on palletofficial.com, a makeup artist can create a profile. Now their profile links to existing social media profiles, including Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, which enables them to create a brand. And then on top of that, we have a unique booking system plugged into the site. That means that a makeup artist can be booked directly on our site. Um, and as well as that, we actually transfer the deposit straight into their bank account, which saves them time and money. I feel like makeup is becoming such a prominent industry and within that there's going to be a lot of insecurity, a lot of uncertainty of how to start a career in that and I want to make sure that this industry is looked after in the best possible way by someone who not only understands business but understands what it's like to be a young individual starting out. I mean, looking into the room of my first event for my first ever company at 24 years old is one of the best feelings I think I'm ever going to have. The support I've had from everyone here has been incredible um, and I just feel really fortunate to be here. Anastasia Kenyon, welcome to the studio and thanks for joining the Women in Business podcast. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very good. I have to say, I'm feeling so cheerful with you because you're such a ball of energy. <laughs> like you just arrived and I, I can't help but smile. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> let's have that effect. <laughs> so let's talk about your business, Palette Official, yes. which is an online beauty platform that connects makeup enthusiasts yes. to makeup artists. Yes, it does. Yes, it so does. So where did you get the idea for this? So the idea came from uh, actually my younger sister. When my younger sister was in school, unfortunately, she was terribly bullied. Oh. She had to move to two different schools, three different colleges. And the only thing that gave her a bit of salvation was the fact that she could go into a room and watch YouTube tutorials. Oh. Um, and essentially, makeup tutorials. Yeah, makeup, YouTube and tutorials, hair. hair, makeup, beauty. Um, and she really created a passion for it. I remember her coming downstairs at 
12 years old as an ice queen and just being like, oh my gosh, you've got a real knack for this. Mm. Like, let's let's work with it. We were always told that education was key. So she stuck through school and stuck through college. I went traveling and I came back to surprise her for 18th birthday. And uh, the first thing she said to me was, I've quit college, Stars. That's my nickname, Stars. And um, Should I call you Stars? You can call me Stars. Okay, I'm down with do that. that yeah. okay? Stars works. Stars. Um, so, <laughs> um, so yeah, I came home. She said, I'm going to be a makeup artist. I've done it. And I was like, amen, sister. If you're going to be a makeup artist, I'm going to make you the biggest makeup artist in this country. I was like, I want to market you to everyone. And she was like, sick <laughs> and um well I was looking I went to Instagram I thought right I've got to do a lot of research now and really understand the marketplace so I was on Instagram YouTube Twitter and Facebook went on Instagram the first thing I noticed was a flood of makeup artists oversaturated so many of them started looking to the followers a lot of them have a, have over 30,000 followers minimum each. minimum minimum, exactly. minimum yeah. it's a joke that's the bottom end that's the, that's the bottom end and then you've got the 1.1 millioners and you're like how is this achievable for a young girl who's trying to make this into a profession and then i started researching how people were being booked so i thought right as a makeup artist this is your profession um you're an industry professional we need to get you booked how a direct message on instagram Surely that's not the case. I kept saying, how are you taking your deposits? What do you do? Well, we don't really like asking for them um, because, well, we can't even get bookings anyway because there's so many people trying to get bookings. So the market's oversaturated. I started looking into directories. I started looking into platforms for makeup artists. They were all either ugly, unfortunately, or didn't have a social end. So I sat in my room for about 12 to 24 hours with, I'd say about... 30 to 40 pieces of A4 paper, about 60 magazines, and created palette official by hand, cutting out, sticking in, and uh, I created a website overnight. And did you code this website? No, the website wasn't coded, but the design was all done, and I'd done all the, I didn't know what a wireframe was. Yeah. I did all the wireframes myself wow. before I'd even Before, so, even knew what be- before I even knew what a wireframe was. Should we explain was? to people what a wireframe is? Try to explain it's it. It's almost like the set of directions yeah, it's, it's to like, whoever's going to code and what goes where, what picture goes yeah, where. Yeah, exactly. What and, and, and like, so when you're messaging someone, what pops up? So I actually made little pullouts for that. So I had like a little messaging pullout that I'd stick in to show someone what'd happen if you click the message button and I'd, I'd pop it in and there it would be. And everyone was like, oh my God, that's so good. And I was like, I know. And I remember actually going to my friend's house, Anika's, and I sat down with her and I showed her and she went, this is genius, mate. And I was like, let's do it. <laughs> I was literally like, let's do this. So yeah. <laughs> and so now what's interesting about Palette Official is it's also a shop front. There's an incorporated booking system. Yeah. So people can actually book appointments yeah. with their favourite makeup artists. Oh my God, yeah. And so you sort of, when you saw that this wasn't there, you created the need that your sister had. Yes, right? yeah. yeah. The booking system is there. And that's so important to the artist. But I think another thing that is so important is the link to social. It links to all a makeup artist's existing social media profiles. So Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, we pull all the content through. So if a makeup artist signs up to our site, it's there. Great. So how will Palette Official make its money? So we take a booking fee and we'll also be doing advertisements with affiliates once obviously we have the people coming through the site. So yeah, it's very exciting. So, Anastasia, uh, you only recently launched, uh, about eight weeks ago, was it? Yeah, I'd say around eight weeks ago now. And you had a big launch event for it. How did that feel and how did it go? It felt unbelievable, to be honest. The way that I did my launch is that it was actually a paid launch. So we uh, offered people tickets and they paid £30 to come. 
The reason I didn't, <laughs> no, but we didn't take any money I from wish it. I could no, but 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 how many people came to this thing? About fifty, and they all paid. We offered a masterclass with three massive makeup artists. Oh, so, of course you did. Yeah, I mean. For me, it was covering the costs of actually having this amazing place because I wanted people to feel comfortable. Um, also cover like the goodies and the snacks, etc. And then, yeah, and another reason I did that was because I could have invited anyone. I could have gone to like, the influencers, c- cool, the cool guys. The or, celebrities. Yeah, there you there. go, yeah. celebrities. So mm-hmm. I could have gone to celebrities and say, oh, you come to my party, I'll give you 500 quid mm. and you can come. I'm not interested in that. I was interested in engaging people who actually wanted to come and see the makeovers. And if they're willing to pay, why they're not? Obviously, they're engaged. Yeah. So important to me. Yes, so. I, I, I agree with you, Anastasia. Okay, yeah. so of course you are at the beginning of your business journey. Very uh, but we wanted to bring in some experts who can offer tips and advice on how you can move forward and really grow your company. Yeah. Later in the show, we'll be hearing from Neil Bellamy, the head of technology, media and telecoms at NatWest, as well as from Shine. Nia Ferdinand, a business growth enabler within the bank. But right now, we are very lucky to be joined in the studio by one of the most knowledgeable and in-demand women in tech here in the UK. Her company, Unruly, which she co-founded in 2006, has been featured amongst the fastest-growing tech companies in the country over the last decade. And in 2015, was bought by News Corp for a staggering deal worth over £100 million. So drinks are on you then, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) A specialist in digital advertising and pioneer in the social video space. A very warm welcome. And also you recently won the Verve Clico Woman Mm. of the Year Business Award, didn't you? So let's high five for that. Literally smashed it. it. Smashed it. Smashed it. It is uh, Sarah Wood, the CEO of Unruly. Hi, Sarah. Hi, June. Thanks so much for having me. Always. Are you kidding me? Well, you know I'm a huge fan. Well, it's very good to meet you in person. This, well, is, this is very cool. I see you a lot on Twitter and I see you across the room I at see loads you of great yes, events. Yes. <laughs> and if you're there, I'm like, this is a good event. This is a good event. June is here. Like, Check. Likewise. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sarah, obviously, um, you are now a business connoisseur. I mean, you know, you've been doing this for a while and succeeding at it. So, we thought it'd be wonderful to have you give advice to Anastasia. So, can we get some advice from you? Because obviously, when you start started unruly you were sort of creating a service that was kind of new Mm. isn't it nobody was really doing so video and video advertising so as someone that was trying to change the marketplace what advice have you got for our young Anastasia well the first thing I'd say is Anastasia I I think I'm just learning loads from you (laughs) sitting here over the last two minutes so what what you what you did there with your launch was really smart because you recognized that you're giving something of value so it wasn't just about you and it wasn't just about what you were doing you were thinking how can I genuinely engage my customers and give them something they want uh, and use it as an opportunity to learn from them and in doing that you cover your costs which is absolutely brilliant Uh, you also learn a lot from your customers and you start finding out who is your ideal customer which is absolutely what you want to learn as early as possible because there'll be some customers that love what you do there'll be others that aren't so into it and that's fine that's what it's just about finding the ones that really get what you do and want to be part of it and the fact that you're snapchatting here live as we're talking well that tells me you've got your digital media your social media strategy like all buttoned up she's been insta-storing all of it 
God has slapped her everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Sarah, can you explain to Anastasia a bit about what Unruly yes, does? Yes, absolutely. Unruly is a video technology platform. We get videos seen, shared, loved uh, across the internet for over 90% of Ad Age 100 brands. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and we've been, uh, we've been going for over 10 years, 11 years now. Um, so you're absolutely right, June. When we started mm, out, there, there was no market. Yeah. Um, YouTube was still an indie. There were no ads. There was no public Facebook. It was uh, still just for students. There was no Twitter. There was no Snapchat. So it was all, it was all kicking off in the blogosphere <laughs> back wow. in 2006. Yeah. Uh, and I think one of the key things that we learned was we iterated our, our plans very quickly and our yeah. business model very quickly. Yeah. So when we started the company, uh, when we started Unruly, it wasn't a video distribution platform. It was a very kooky little comedy web 2.0 aggregator, which oh. pulled together jokes, videos, images that people found were funny and uploaded them to the site. It was kind of like dig for humour. Oh, um, wow. And, yeah. and at the time, that was quite radical. Yeah. Uh, and we, we loved it. We absolutely loved doing that. But it, we saw quite early on that it was going to be a long road to be yeah. able to build any revenue. And to monetize. Got absolutely, you. to yeah. monetize. Yeah. Now, we, yeah. we, we didn't have a long road in front of us no. when it came to runway. Yeah, build the <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so we, we, knew our, we knew what our runway was, and that would be my other bit of advice to you. Yeah. Know what your runway is. Right. But yeah. How long can your business be self-sustaining? Yeah. Because uh, there are so many different ways that you yeah. can fund a business. Yeah. And now more than ever, it can be as cheap as chips. Yeah. Uh, and it's changed this even in the last 10, 11 yeah. years. So when we started mm-hmm. off, you needed to have servers and we had a server rack. It was so expensive then. Absolutely. Yeah. Just the hosting costs. Yeah, I yep. can't even imagine. Yeah, and like. it was pre-social media, so marketing was a whole different ball game. Yeah. But now you can host in the cloud, you've got yeah. social media. There is just mm. It's so much cheaper to be able mm. to set up a business and even scale a business. Yeah. Um, so I would say that's one of the kind of huge advantages that you have in your yeah. favour. But even so, you need to know how much money you've got, how long you can keep going, mm-hmm. and then you can decision-make off the back of that. Got you. And Great, so now, you. Sarah, you call yourself an accidental entrepreneur. You were actually a lecturer before, weren't mm. you? How interesting. And you studied English at Cambridge. Mm. So what made you decide to actually start a business? So I still do lecture. Um, do you really? Yes. Can yes. I come to one of your classes? Yeah, it's on Can mashups. Me- it's on mashups, <laughs> memes, and lolitics. Okay. Uh, the transformation of screen <laughs> culture. Of course. I am so up for that. I mean, what else would it be on? Count me in. Uh, otherwise known as an M fill in cats. <laughs> <laughs> How the internet cat has changed society. <laughs> Discuss. It's a fun group of people uh, mm. and I absolutely love teaching. But it was a tough decision to leave academia yeah. um, back in two th- well, it was 2005 when I made the decision and left because uh, you know, research is my passion, mm-hmm. uh, teaching is my vocation. Mm. Um, but I was at Sussex University, I was a Leverhulme fellow and I was living in Hackney. Um, <laughs> so it was, it, was, it was a long commute <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was a tough one psychologically because I'd had two children. Oh wow! Um, my second child at that point was just one and it used to break my heart every week when I dropped him off at the nursery. Yeah. But it was hard to make the break even so because it was a great job and I loved it yeah. and I had fantastic colleagues. But then 7-7 happened and I, I was very lucky and was evacuated from not even King's Cross but was evacuated from a nearby station but should have been at King's Cross about that time. And oh was, my was running God. late and as you've experienced this morning, ladies, you know I can run a little bit late. And kind of felt like I'd just, you know, dodged a bullet. Yeah. Miss yeah. Nara dodged almost, a bullet. I mean, without sounding too esoteric, but almost like there was some sort of intervention. To me, it was a moment for rethinking. Yeah. And just, wow. and when you go home on those days, uh, and I remember walking home and watching all the helicopters kind of arriving and thinking, oh, something bad is happening. 
something really bad is happening. And, um, and as I was walking home, I was thinking, if this was my last day, yeah. mm. was I doing the right thing? Is this what I wanted to have spent my last day doing? Uh, and I realised that actually it probably wasn't. Mm. And although I loved it, I wanted to be close to the kids yeah. um, and I wanted them to be more involved in what I was doing. I didn't want to be leaving them behind to go yeah, and work. Yeah. I wanted to be bringing them along with me so they could see what it was like to, to have a career, to, especially my daughters. Oh, you know, yeah. Come along, see what it's like. Yes, you can be a woman in business. Yes, you Love can that. be a female professional. So at that point decided that I was, yes, I was going to take the leap uh, and go off and do something different. For others listening, as well as obviously Anastasia, who are interested in entering the world of tech, what qualities do you think they need as an entrepreneur? Mm. Is it a different skill set to, you know, an ordinary business? Well, that is a great question, um, and especially a great question to ask at this time, Mm. um, when every large corporate and every previously stable business is looking to entrepreneurs yes to um, save them to save them (laughs) and looking to entrepreneurs for a different kind of skill set and different Mm -hmm. behaviors uh, that are more suited to a rapidly changing business environment Mm -hmm. so what does that mean in practice it means being agile being responsive that's one of the key entrepreneurial traits Um, knowing that something might not work but that doesn't matter you've tried it if, if the situation wasn't quite right, you move on, you try move the next on. thing. Yeah. And this also comes down to buoyancy and optimism yeah. and being able to bounce back. And I think this is one of the key entrepreneur's traits. I'm really uh, 10 years on. Obviously, you've sold, like I said, drinks on you, my love. Uh, you have a team that's 300 strong. You're in over 20 locations. Can you explain to Anastasia how important it is in terms of choosing your team to help mm. build your business? How oh, important yes. is that? I can tell you. Look at the serious face now. Yeah. It's very important. Yeah. Uh, Did you so make important. mistakes in the early days? Not so much in the early days. I was very okay. lucky to have two incredible co-founders, uh, mm-hmm. Matt Cook, Scott Button. Uh, Matt's our CTO and Scott was CEO and I was COO. And the three of us have very different skill sets, very complementary, and we trust each other. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and it's that trust that's absolutely critical. And we still really enjoy working together. So and, cool. and as we grow, we really value that relationship and the yeah. strength of the trust that we have but as you scale further that's when it gets harder yes um, yeah so i would say making sure you've got people who are aligned with your values mm-hmm. uh, who care about the business as much as you do yeah, is absolutely critical you yeah. want someone who lives and breathes the business yeah uh, and, and as an entrepreneur reward them for that yeah so think about options think about equity um, oh so did you do that with we your did team? yeah okay. we did okay, um, cool. because then they genuinely do have a stake in the business yeah yeah <laughs> Because I think it's, you can't really ask your employees to behave as though they're startup founders and to be entrepreneurial unless if you're they are gonna, actually yeah. investing exactly. in it. Fantastic. So, Sarah, Anastasia has a little problem that she'd like your advice for. Okay, so at the moment I'm trying to essentially attract a CTO. It's quite difficult to do that. Again, woman in tech, female, completely by myself as well in this. Unfortunately, mm. I have no co-founders. How could I do that with rewarding them sweat equity? Like, what would you advise? Um, just before you answer, Sarah, for people listening, what is a CTO uh, and what is sweat equity? So a CTO is a chief technology officer. That's normally the person who builds the technology platform. And sweat equity is when you offer equity for work. Yeah. Yeah. So you may not be able to afford large salaries, no. um, but you want to be able to reward your CTO. Mm-hmm. So you offer equity. Yeah. Um, so I think this is a great idea, mm-hmm. but you want to be crystal clear that this is the right person for the job. Exactly. And there's a lot that you have to offer. Mm-hmm. So I would be thinking if I was you now, what do I want that? What is the role of the CTO within the context of Palette? Yeah. Is it necessary to have a CTO, first of all? I think... 
at this moment in time, I've come to the point where the site's been built, it's been built by a third party, but there's certain elements that I found through testing, etc., that need changing. So, for example, when someone joins Palette, I want them to have a suggested friends section straight away. They can start mm-hmm. connecting as soon as they get on the site and then the interaction begins. I can't do that right now. No. Um, if I had a CTO in there and I could just be saying, oh, hey, could, could you, you please add that function? That? Yeah. yeah. So, for example, if something crashes on the site... I'm sat there, um, I can't afford to pay maintenance at the moment, which is a struggle. Mm. So I'm kind of sat there like, what do I do? So um, my first suggestion would be the role you described may not be the CTO role. You might just want a really experienced web designer. Yeah. yeah. You can bring a web designer along uh, who could also uh, be given equity uh, yeah, in yeah. just the same way. Amazing. Um, but I would say it's going to be important to define that role. Okay. Um, the other thing that you can offer them, which is so exciting to mm-hmm. whether it's web designers who are wanting creativity or whether it's CTOs who, are, who love building things, is you can create a vision for them and say, look, yeah. this is where we want to go. And you as a CEO can create that vision and then give them the autonomy to come in and help build that platform is really exciting so I think if you're in the right places if you're talking to the right people and you've got a great story around Palette and how much traction it's getting already and how much excitement there is about it in market then you've got the story you've got the vision Mm -hmm. if you're prepared to give up the the equity as well and then there's the financial reward and if you're saying to them you know I really need you you can have autonomy and you will be the master in this field uh, and really be able to have an impact well people love that it's important because you don't want to come to a startup and just find out you're being told what to do all the time you know what though like that is it's very much about how I want to be as a leader I really want to give people the opportunity to be free and be innovative because that's what I really thrive off so if I can offer that to someone I'm like yes come on come on so I wonder if when you're making your decision around this if you want to be testing people out first okay so So you want to be working with each other maybe on a a project you want to see Mm -hmm. how they would approach an aspect of your site ask for their opinions because only then really it's really only when you work with someone do you start seeing how well you work together and that chemistry will be critical especially if that's your first employee Okay, thank you so much. So what would you say is your biggest hurdle in terms of growth for Palette Official, Um, aside from what we've just discussed? Aside from that, um, one of the biggest things I'm struggling with is essentially gaining the bookings. So user acquisition. Yeah, exactly, user acquisition. I'm trying to think of growth hacks. (laughs) So I've pivoted a bit in regards to my strategies myself. So I've really started going for like email marketing, trying to understand my customers more. I sent out my first birthday campaign before I got here in a cafe. <laughs> and it's just things like that, that I'm like, I know it sounds ridiculous. I love it. But I was just sat there like, I thought, what can I do this morning? Like to just get people on. I was like, birthdays, happy birthday. Here's a free makeover. So it can be for anything. So here's a couple of suggestions. Oh, yes. Um, yes, yes, so- yes. And you may be doing all this already, um, but word of mouth is always the best way to get new business. Okay. So whenever, maybe, I don't know if you go along with any of your makeup artists ever, um, but maybe you could try going along to some of their gigs when they're actually doing the makeover. You could film a behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You could see how happy Mm -hmm. the customer is. You could get a testimonial. Yeah. So you've got something that's very visual, that's got a great before and after. Everyone loves looking at makeup tutorials. Yeah, they do. Um, So that's one way to kind of raise awareness and consideration is Mm -hmm. with using great video content. Okay. And I love the way you're thinking about specific events. You mentioned birthdays, weddings, proms. Yeah. So really having a content calendar and tapping into those different events and seeing which of those occasions yield the most repeat business and which of them yield the most word of mouth um, getting that straight would be really helpful yeah so Sarah what other tips do you have uh, for Anastasia what else do you do at Amruli in terms of video marketing Mm. and what you've done with some of the brands that you've worked with that has been really successful so we work with brands to help them identify the type of content that's most likely to resonate with their audiences 
We then test that content to see who it resonates with, how strong the emotional connection is, how authentic... Is that like focus grouping? It's a combination of focus grouping, uh -huh. um, it's biometric testing, oh, it's wow. facial coding. Um, so we get a real kind of holistic sense of viewers and how they interact with the content. Wow. Do they think it's laugh out loud funny? Um, mm. Do their pupils dilate because they're so amazed by what they're seeing? Wow. Uh, and then if, they, if it does make a strong emotional connection, does that feel credible for the brand? Because yes. uh, this is a huge huge issue for brands. Yeah. Uh, it's one thing telling a wonderful story and creating a strong emotional connection, mm. but it's so important to make sure that it's genuine and that whatever the story is, speaks genuinely and authentically for that brand. For sure. So first we test and then we distribute. So we wow. have um, publisher relationships with thousands of fantastic publishers globally wow. and we get the ads out onto their sites on what we call polite placements. <laughs> and the polite thing is key. Increasingly, consumers don't want to be forced wow. to watch ads. No. They don't want to have ads popping up at them. They don't want to have pre-roll ads that they have to watch before they get to the content they yeah. really want oh, to yeah. see. Sure. Um, so we advocate polite formats where users are in control. Nice. For you and, and what you you're doing and, and makeup oh my goodness you know I the know. opportunities are endless your yeah. challenge will be deciding what is delivering the most return on investment i completely agree so what, what, what do you think is the best platform what platform have you found the most success with in terms of your beauty brands for beauty brands instagram works exceptionally well yeah. the user base on insta tends to be quite consumer friendly often it's people on insta yeah. who are who who enjoy brands who enjoy shopping yeah. it's very different from say twitter which i think is great for social causes and is quite political and is very fast. Agreed. Yeah, um, but if, if it's beautiful images that you want to share and images of commercial products or yeah. platforms yeah. or services, then Insta works really well. Yeah. And much higher engagement than some of the other platforms. Okay, brilliant. Brilliant. You are listening uh, to the NatWest Women in Business podcast with me, June Sarpong. And uh, now, as we're talking tech in today's episode, we thought we'd grab some top tips from NatWest's own head of technology, media and telecoms. Uh, here's Neil Bellamy. My name's Neil Bellamy. I'm National Sector Head for NatWest in the technology, media and telecom sector. Our proposition in the technology media tech space is that we help people all the way through their life cycle from startup businesses or spin outs from universities or from accelerator academies all the way through their journey to either exit or growing so large that they list on the stock market. And we've got people all the way along that journey that can help them. Um, we like to call it the three B's. So we help people get backing, get big and get bought. Yeah, very, very keen to encourage women into technology. And uh, it's really encouraging when we travel all around the country, talking either to university spin-outs or in our accelerator hubs across the uh, country in Entrepreneurial Spark, what a large proportion of those entrepreneurs are female. So there's much higher proportion of females in our accelerator hubs than in the general population, which is great to see. What we're seeing is that as technology evolves, it's more about the ideas than the technology itself per se. So we see a lot of people in our accelerators that have got these great ideas and using technology to make those happen. So it could be social media applications, it could be big data, it, you know, it could be retail. So women in technology shouldn't be put off by a lack of involvement in technology. It's all about a great idea and you can find people to come into your team to support your idea with great technology as well. So I'd like to share top three tips for if you're starting a technology business. First thing is don't be afraid to try things fast and cheap. So it's the lean model that you'll learn from Entrepreneurial Spark. 
And there's no better way of learning if your product works than trying it out with your client. The second thing is get a team around you that can help with the technology and fill any gaps in your management team. You could quite often meet those people in an entrepreneurial spark environment or from friends or family or um, non-executives. The third one is protect your the intellectual assets that you do create. So be aware of cybersecurity, protect your intellectual capital as you build it, and just be very careful of ransomware and things like that. I think the, the thing to remember with a lot of this technology, it's great people that make it happen. And so quite often it's the importance of the network that you're collaborating with is really, really important. So places like Entrepreneurial Spark can be great places to collaborate because people that are working on an idea at the other table from where you're working could help you out and vice versa. And there's a lot of very good technology people in those incubators. Equally, our network through NatWest Bank, in terms of our client base and our technology partners that we work with, we can certainly help out and signpost people to the right direction. Thanks to Neil Bellamy there, NatWest Head of Technology, Media and Telecoms. And if you'd like to find out more about how NatWest can help you in this world, uh, just search NatWest TMT or speak to a women in business specialist who can connect you. It's worth saying that NatWest support more TMT businesses than any other bank in the UK in many more ways than just funding. So do get in touch if you have any questions. You're listening to the NatWest Women in Business podcast with me, June Sarpong, and welcome back to the studio. I'm joined right now by Anastasia Kenyon, uh, founder of Palette Official, an online network of makeup artists and enthusiasts, and Sarah Wood, the CEO of Unruly, an expert in the field of social video and digital marketing. Not just an expert, a bit of a legend. A young legend. (laughs) So ladies, uh, we have been talking so far about building a tech brand. And I just really quickly wanted to talk about your position as women in tech. Um, And of course, the lack of gender diversity in the industry and diversity in general in tech, if we're honest. Um, So Anastasia, are you particularly conscious about being a woman in technology? I think at the beginning I wasn't, to be honest. I've been quite fortunate. My dad is so supportive. Mm. Um, everyone in my family is really supportive of me. I've always been quite driven, so everyone's kind of... I guess I'm, I've am i always been the dominant one in the family, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think the everyone's just been... Like, the born entrepreneur. <laughs> just let her, go and let her go and join the other sports club. Just see how she goes with it. It was always that kind of thing. Um, but then, I think in the last year... It's really hit home mm. how difficult it can be. It's really funny, actually. The other day, I was uh, obviously looking, I'm looking for investment actively. Mm. And I sat in a room with two gentlemen. And um, they were like, do you understand investment um, and business? And I was like, I was like, oh, yes. And they were like, well, we'd like to explain it further. <gasps> they started um, drawing smiley faces on the board while I was sat there to explain investment to me. I literally was sat biting my knuckle, like... Because I'm, as you can tell, I'm quite well, I'm firing, opinionated. Yeah. I'm firing. Yeah. I literally could not believe the way I was being spoken to. The other day, I was speaking to someone over LinkedIn, and um, one of the first questions they asked me was, "What's your age?" Not great idea. Um, fantastic. Where are you going with it? How old are you? I, I, it's not just mm. gender for me as well. Mm. It's age, very much yes. so. 
and I'm sure you felt that when you started. Sarah, what advice have you got? Please? Well, look, there'll always this is, be... This is awful, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah. Well, you, you learn from those moments, though. Yeah. So you know that you'll never want to take investment from those two gentlemen. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, they've, they've just lost a very lucrative potential client. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the first thing I'd say. You know, we choose who we spend our time with. Mm-hmm. Um, those interactions that you have, just learn from them and yeah. weed people out. Yeah. Uh, I remember when we did our Series A fundraise back in 2012, mm-hmm. uh, and we were in a great position. We were profitable. We were growing Amazing. super fast. Uh, so we were able to go out and speak to lots of potential investors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one very straightforward filter was people who assumed that I was the note taker, uh, people who wouldn't look at me. Um, well, what? they're the people that we wouldn't want to do business with. <laughs> so they uh, would talk to your male co-founders. So they would talk to they would talk to the male co-founders and wow. would just assume that I was there as a helper. Um, but that was great because that was an opportunity to weed out people with whom we had no cultural fit very yeah. early on in the process. Yeah. So oh, I would say, d- don't waste energy even on outrage yeah. around this. You're right. Just, just learn from it move on from it there will always be somebody telling you you can't do something for a reason yeah whether you're too young too female oh. too inexperienced too from the wrong part of the country too whatever too whatever you yeah. can you're always going to be too something for somebody it's so brilliant. you just yeah. don't listen to them you know you make your own path you bring yeah. people with you that that you love working with uh, yeah. and you're much more likely to be successful that way thank you so I'd like to introduce someone else to the conversation now, uh, Shania Ferdinand, who is a business growth enabler at NatWest. Shania, welcome to the show. Hi, Jean. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, so can you tell us a bit about how NatWest supports female business owners and, and the multiple ways that it does that? Mm-hmm. Okay, so first of all, I'll tell you about my role. Um, so I'm a business growth enabler. This role was created last year as a way to support businesses in general, but um, we do have a focus on women in business as well. And what my role does is we organise regular free-to-attend educational events for businesses. So we get in industry experts or guest speakers um, to talk around a particular topic, whether that be accessing finance, marketing, sort of maybe even just confidence building or writing a business plan. There are a number of different things we can do. Um, there are 73 of us nationally and we all cover our own local markets. And the point of the role is to really become embedded in the business community in your local area so that you can connect businesses with the support that is out there for them. Um, And as I said, we do have a particular focus around women in business in that a lot of the events we do host are women in business focused. As a woman myself, I'm quite passionate about hosting these events. I actually posted one yesterday. But yeah, um, so in business banking as well, we have a team of relationship managers as well as business growth enablers. And there's been a programme, an accreditation programme that they're currently putting us all through to become more focused or specialised in the particular issues that certain women in business face. Mm. Although, Anastasia, listening to you, I don't think you face many of those issues (laughs) in terms of confidence and maybe not just being a go-getter or going out and really sort of putting yourself out there, but Mm. you're great at that. Thank you. (laughs) How how important would you say um, networking is, Shania? It's incredibly important, I feel. I think, as you said earlier, Sarah, about building a team around you um, it's important for that because once you go out and meet people you don't know the person you meet tomorrow at a networking event could be your next sort of financial director or could be your next CTO and I think Mm -hmm. it's great that we're in a culture where if we're all coming from a similar place and we all need help with certain aspects you have skills that someone else can need Mm -hmm. and then they might have skills that you need so it's incredibly important and 
it's, I think, in terms of NatWest and providing support, um, we have a lot of partnerships as well with mm-hmm. certain um, women in business networks. So we have the National Black Women's Network, Every Woman Network, and we partner with We Connect International. And the accreditation programme was actually written, well, sort of supported by the Every Woman Network. And I think even for us, we obviously are a bank, we provide financial solutions, but my role and also the business banking's wider um, aim is that we can't give you everything. We don't necessarily know everything, but if we partner with people who can give you that extra support, then that's only going to benefit you and benefit us in that our customers will keep coming back to us. So, yeah. And it's the same for any business. The more people you can partner with and meet, the more skills that you then technically have, mm. even though it's not you that has them. Yeah, brilliant. And obviously uh, for you, Anastasia, uh, you've been part of Entrepreneurial Spark. Yes. How helpful has that been for you? I'm sat here, aren't I? I mean, it's been like <laughs> unreal. The support I get, I have an enabler. I sit down with her every two weeks. Um, we sit down, go through my plans. It's great having that support. But I think the biggest thing for me is being surrounded by like-minded people. Mm-hmm. It's a really lonely journey at the beginning. Mm. I mean, as I mentioned before, I started in my bedroom with a load of paper. And unlike Sarah, you don't have co-founders, so it must be not. very lonely. Yeah. And yeah. You, uh, you'll wake up one day and you'll be like, Oh, for God's sake. Like, why Why is this challenge come? And you kind of sat there and you're like, right, I'm going to get through it, but it's a bad day. Mm. And if you see someone else, like, across the office, like, <laughs> looking agitated, you're like, ah, I can yeah. go and speak to them for five minutes. Mm. Right, what's going on with your day? I'm actually having the same problem. Great. That collaboration for me has widened all perspectives of my business Mm. honestly it's anyone who's listening now who's got your own business join a program if you're 100% by yourself you need it Mm -hmm. the support's there and so how can people get involved Shania? So in terms of Entrepreneurial Spark NatWest partners with them Entrepreneurial Spark are what we call a an, an accelerator so it's business support in the form of a programme um, we have 12 hubs all over the UK the London hub is opening in August later this year it's actually opening near where I live so I'll be there a lot hopefully but essentially it's a six month programme that businesses can apply to go on to if you get in you get that collaborative support as Anastasia said you get training in terms of pitching you Mm -hmm. there are mentors there who are they're called enablers there's a team a whole team of entrepreneurial spark people who can really teach you how to be entrepreneurially minded Mm -hmm. because I think people sometimes think that being a business owner and being an entrepreneur is synonymous and then they aren't necessarily um it's you can have a great idea but if you're not entrepreneurially minded then your business may not grow so it's really about Mm -hmm teaching you to get uncomfortable with being uncomfortable yeah. and being more innovative. Yeah. And they, I think earlier you mentioned about the 60-second pitch. They've put us all through the entrepreneurial mm-hmm. spark training like a day's mm-hmm. um, course as well. And having to come up with that pitch and deliver what you're doing is... <sighs> amazing and sometimes I forget and probably ramble on for two minutes but but no it's really great to know that there's a mindset that you can have and you can kind of learn to then be able to really grow and scale your business um, and to get involved so in the London hub if you go to the NatWest website Mm -hmm. you can type in entrepreneurial spark obviously you can also google entrepreneurial spark Mm -hmm. um, and the programs as I said it's a six-month program and at the end of the six months you can actually apply to go for a further 12 months so just find the website and apply great now Sarah obviously we've spoken a lot about mentors and I'd like to chat about role models now you are a role model for many young entrepreneurs in this country so who are your role models Mm. do you have any 
Mm. Oh, I, I have so many awesome people around me every day mm. uh, and have had for all my life. So what I find is that the most effective role models are the people that you know really well and, mm. and you watch them at their best. Yeah. So my mum, my daughters, <sighs> the people I work with at Unruly, my co-founders, some of my clients, yeah, um, nice. the publishers that we work with. Uh, and then there are so many other incredible women in tech in the UK. Um, mm. So Martha, Martha Lane Fox and her who daughter. Who we love. Who is just yeah. wonderful. She's awesome, isn't she? She yeah, is. Yeah. And uh, her Dot Everyone project, I think, is the most exciting project that's going on right yeah. now on the UK digital scene. Yeah. Joanna Shields, yeah, um, she's also been really helpful to Unruly. And what I find is there are the female entrepreneurs I know and the female tech leaders are really willing to help. And when you have those moments and you just would love someone to share a quote or share an anecdote or put in a call to someone else, um, they often come forward um, yeah. and, and stand together. And we, we've really benefited from that. Uh, well, Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us. It's been so much fun to meet you, Anastasia. <laughs> and Shania, thank you so much for joining us also. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a blast. Brilliant. Huge thank you to Anastasia Kenyon, Sarah Wood, Neil Bellamy and to Shania Ferdinand. Remember, you can find out more about the Women in Business Initiative and how NatWest team of over 400 specialists can help you simply by searching NatWest Women in Business. Remember, if you want to talk to NatWest about funding, security may be required. Product fees may apply and you must be over 18. But until next time, from me, June Sarpong, it's goodbye. Goodbye.